1: You get stuffed with ravioli.
2: If your mama's a paisano, you will have the world on a plate. So see that you're born an
1: Italiano and your life will be great.
3: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm your host, John Viola. Very, very happy to be here with you for the final episode of July which is appropriate to our topic today because July is Disability Awareness Month and we've got a great guest on here and a young Italian American lady who is doing some wonderful things around disability awareness and we're going to meet her in just a minute. But first and foremost, I'm happy to be back with my partner in crime, the notorious POB, Pat O'Boyle, and our associate producer and the woman behind the glass who makes everything run, Ms. Stephanie Longo. So guys, good to be back together again. We've been bunching all these recordings together to get more and more shows done at a single time. So it's been a while since we've actually been back on the mic, and I've been away for a couple weeks, so good to reconnect with everybody.
1: Yeah, we're back.
3: (laughs) Back from the motherland. How was it? It was great. It was really great. It kind of felt normal. Obviously, being there is always just a huge blessing and recharge your batteries. But yeah, it felt pretty normal. It was uh, still a lot of people wearing masks in stores. Not much foreign tourism, so it was mostly domestic Italians in the different cities that we were in, but uh, yeah, it felt good to sort of put your toe back in the water, you know?
1: How was the food?
3: Oh, my gosh. What was the
1: best meal that you had? Yeah, tell
0: us.
3: Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, well, you know, I blew up my diet, obviously, right? That went out the window the second we landed. I think the best meal we had, we had a meal at a place my dad picked up in Termina that was really like. Has it like real old homemade Sicilian food? I had pasta with uh, it eats with sea urchins, which I love. Nicole and I had a meal in Capri that was like right on the beach, beautiful little place, and uh, some really creative pastas they made. I had like little tubetti pasta with zucchini and mussels, and oh god, it's all kinds of stuff. It was really, really. I mean, everything you touch there is fantastic. You just can't make it up, you know.
2: You're making me so hungry right now. Just so you know. <laughs>
3: I know. I make myself hungry. I'm sorry. I mean, I hate to talk about having Italian food when you can't access it, you know? But yeah, it was great. I put seven pounds back on. I lost 27 on my diet and I gained seven pounds back. So good.
1: Good. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're
3: rooting against me. Okay. Cause
1: that diet. I'm yet to see the science.
2: But we can't diet as Italians.
3: No, you got you can't die if it's Italian. It's not no. Fair. no, it was starvation. It was managed starvation.
2: It was starvation. Yeah, John, demand did. your money back.
1: <laughs> pain and the suffering. And where's the doctor? I would send him a big pastietta.
3: <laughs> oh, talk about pastietta. So my parents were staying with a friend of theirs who lives in Priano. So he's got these friends that like cook and fish and everything. And so they took my parents fishing one night and they caught totana these like really yeah. long red squids and they the, go with the,
1: potatoes.
3: Exactly. God, yeah, you are Wikipedia. Yeah. You, with Wikipedia. The lemon, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. everything. So, so that, but you know, the, you
1: can make that with galamad. It works.
3: Yeah. But it's but it apparently it's got a different taste, right? Because it came up in conversation because my dad was saying how his mother used to make devil fish on Christmas and we could never figure it out. It never comes out right with the galamad. And these guys from Piranha were like, well, no, devil fish is actually a totem, It's a different squid. It's different taste, whatever. So they took my parents out at night and actually fished for them and caught them and made them the next day. And they were talking about family recipes. My mother mentioned how much she loves pastiera, So they surprised her and made her one. And we got to take it home. And I have to say, it was homemade, big pastiera, absolutely delicious. Like I was thinking of you, I was actually going to send you a picture, but I didn't want to make you jealous.
1: Joanna Fidelli, this is a shout out to the crown princess of Cleveland, who's had me a Bastida sent from Italy. That was an act of kindness I will never forget. That's really wow. nice.
3: Yeah. That's awesome. That
1: is it for my love of Bastida. Because you could eat Bastida three times a day and you'll never get fat. I want I, <laughs> mm. my diet. Let's tell this doctor my diet. The Bastida diet. diet. <laughs> you could eat Bastida morning, <laughs> noon, night. I love but there's people who don't love Bastida. I know. Yeah. And you know what, John. It was a I call it a John style bus theater, and that's the new way, which is hev- which is uh, a lot of egg yolk. It was fantastic. It was heavenly. Oh. But John makes a great bus theater. It's just not a Neapolitan bus theater.
3: Yeah, my Sicilian, Sicilian bus theater, theater, as you say.
1: It's phenomenal. No, really, and I'm not. I'm not blowing them sunshine because we're on air. It's to die for. Like you want to really eat well, John makes this fantastic timbalo. Oh,
3: that's Pat's favorite.
1: But mom, it It's great for breakfast. It's like lard liver. <laughs> it's everything. Yeah. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal.
3: It's a reconstruction of the one from the leopard. So it's basically all the richest food you could have in a pie.
2: Oh, my God.
1: If you had what do they call those dogs that search for narcotics? Like the bloodhounds? Blood. Blood. Yeah, like... There was a bloodhound. He would find John following the scent of cinnamon. <laughs> there is nothing. John puts it in coffee. I
3: do. I, a, it in not, I do put it in everything. I do put in coffee.
1: That's a Sicilian thing. I wash my hands of that.
2: The two of you taught me how to make a pastiera. I will tell you that because I never had it until last year when I started working for you. And John was texting me to tell me to put the cinnamon in it and everything. And Pat was telling me how to do some of the Neapolitan things. So I combined what the two of you said, and that is how I make my pastiera now. So it's like the podcast pastiera.
3: Oh, so you you have like a Siculo Neapolitan version yes. of your pastiera
2: <laughs> that you both taught me because That's I it. couldn't decide whose recipe to use. So I just combined the two. <laughs>
1: But John's recipe and mine are both very much our own. Yeah. You know, Dominique, I feel so bad. You're like you, well, like. Yeah. Let's introduce. Let's yeah. introduce our guest.
0: Is there anything more Italian than just getting sidelined about food? I mean. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's true. Well, it is appropriate to welcome our guest on because we have a great topic today and a great young lady. So Dominique Sessa, who we're going to refer to as Dom as she prefers, is a disability advocate. Who created the girl in the pink wheelchair it's a digital advocacy project that allows women and young girls to unite uplift one another and find a connective solution through her platform and she is a very proud italian-american who came to our attention by way of uh, stephanie our associate producer here and so she's not only at the young age of 26 leading this incredible project on disability advocacy which is obviously celebrated this month in july but uh, she's also really active in the Italian-American community. So, Dom, welcome to the Italian-American podcast. We're really happy to have you here. Thank you. I like your voice, by the way.
0: Oh, thank you. People, I think that's also why people think I'm so much younger. I sound like Minnie Mouse.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you do. You got a great voice. But Dominique, I had no idea
1: what you were coming on, and I read your show notes. I'm like, oh,
0: wow, wow.
1: Then I read, you're an advocate of English tea? Like, where does this come from? <laughs> <laughs> What got you married to English tea, of all teas in the world?
0: You know, English tea is just really good because it's just it's the same effects as coffee, and you relax, and you get your tea, and you're just chilled.
1: English tea, that's a whole episode.
0: I also like herbal tea, that's loose, yeah, because I like a lot of our kind of like an Italian, you know... And their are folklore folk things. I learned a lot from my no no about, like, So Yeah, I also like Lucy, too, because my grandfather would always say, oh, drink some kind of meal tea, because he thought that cured everything.
1: Oh, yeah. Where's your family from in Italy?
0: Um, so my, my father is a mixed bag, as I like to joke about. So his mother's family came from this little town called Casaro in Sicily. It's right outside of Syracuse. You could never find it, because they're on a hill. So it's Casaro. And then my grandfather's family came right off of the Malfi Coast. What town? Um, they came from Corbera.
1: Oh, that's the tomatoes.
0: Yes, the tomato town. Oh, I actually
1: know people from there. They made the little cherry tomatoes. They're famous for those.
0: Yes, they're famous for the Corbera tomatoes. Yeah, so that's where my family's from Corbero and um, oh, wow. Syracuse. Yeah, so, and then one of my cousins was in the war in, from Casaro, fell in love with a Venetian woman. So I have some family in the city of color in Burano.
3: Wow, that's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, very good tomatoes. See, we're not gonna we're gonna talk about food this whole episode.
3: <laughs> That's true. We're gonna have another
1: episode because we're gonna talk about food. What are they like?
3: Mini cherry pink. tomatoes, like grape tomatoes?
0: They kind of they're are. Like grape I grape guess grape. you would say it's similar to a grape tomato, and they're like very famous. If you Google Corbera tomato, they come up. And I got one more question. I'll
1: shut up for the whole. Why did you pick a pink wheelchair? Why not a green, white, and red wheelchair?
0: This is the most obvious answer. If you have any color, okay, and you're going to be on this thing. My butt is on this. The first thing you see is my butt's on 26 inch heels. Of course, the best color is pink. And and I'm joking here for the sake of honesty, but to be more serious, a lot of people often will ask you questions because they often don't really know. And you're kind of taught to people like, oh, we need to be angry. But I really don't think that's honestly the best approach because a lot of times, we don't know, so we often ask people questions because we're either uncomfortable or we're afraid to ask questions because we just really don't know how to approach the topic. So, like, there's a lot of things I want to ask about. It's like the tea. <laughs> like, it's I think it's great, Patrick, what you're doing because that's what we need to do about disability. We need to just ask questions. Like, why do you have a pink wheelchair? Because if you ask that question, then you'll lead into other questions that are actually deeper and are going to teach you something more in depth.
3: Do you find people ask you? You know, you've got this pink wheelchair. You're obviously noticeable. You're not downplaying your condition. Do you feel people are more inclined to ask you? And do they really do they ask you kind of inappropriate questions? I mean, how do people approach this? Because disability is something that I I don't think we really even handle how to talk about. Right. I don't know if that's an American thing, an Italian American thing. And that's part of the reason we want to talk today is about sort of how this stuff is handled, especially around advocacy and awareness in both the American popular culture and then the Italian-American culture. But you want people to ask you questions, I'm assuming. That's kind of the goal, right?
0: Yeah, I do because, you know, I did an interview, um, I guess, about six months ago. And I, I told the person interviewing me that I'm in a state where it's okay. I can handle questions. But someone that's in a position, like maybe a new spinal cord injury, they're not ready for those kinds of questions. It's not easy, you know. Disability is not something where it's easy to navigate. And we kind of just assume that every person we meet doesn't have a disability, it's invisible. But if the person we're talking to might have cancer and you ask something really rude, that's not okay. I don't know if you, for an example in this scenario, has a disability just because it's invisible. So the questions you're asking can be really harmful. So yeah, the pink wheelchair makes it easy and it's fun because people say, hey, I like the color of your wheelchair.
1: Let me ask you another question. Don't you think you have an opportunity to educate? Like, when, like, I always, when people even ask me stupid questions, people mean well. Sometimes they say things that are maybe are inappropriate or insensitive, but it comes from the desire for knowledge. It's a teachable moment. It's a teachable moment.
0: I agree. And that's how I see everything. I see everything as... You know, it's really easy sometimes to meet people with anger, but for me, I think kindness is kind of pivotal and kind of how you have to move through life. You know, I think when we meet people with kindness and we see it as sometimes if you teach them on something, it's easier. You know, sometimes people just don't always know. And, you know, sometimes I think kind of opening doors up with humor and smiles, it makes it easier. Like, yeah, I have like a pink wheelchair. This is what you see. It makes it easier because oftentimes I might be the only person someone's ever seen in a wheelchair. So it makes it easier that they're more likely to open the conversation up for someone else. So yeah, I've kind of made the kind of I made the platform just very obvious, the girl in the pink wheelchair, because it's just very in your face and literal and fun because sometimes we made disability this, this really complex thing and it's really not. It doesn't
2: have to be. That's one of the reasons why I suggested you for an episode on this because you've taken your platform and you've run with it. And I'm so proud of you, just as your friend for this, but seeing all that you've done, it makes me proud of you in the greater sphere as an Italian American because you're also representing our culture in terms of trying to get disability advocacy out there. You're doing it in a very positive way because I've read your blog and just over the course of the past year that I've gotten to know you, really started to understand what you're advocating. And now the state of Maryland has even put you on their Disability Advocacy Commission. So all that you're doing is so important. But what I like the most is that you're doing it with such a sense of positivity because I am sure somebody that comes out that has just had, say, a spinal cord injury and their life has catastrophically turned upside down may not know how to navigate this. And you're giving these people the tools. And like we had just said, you're giving people the tools to navigate those really awkward difficult questions that they want to ask, but they don't know how to phrase properly. So kudos to you. I mean, can you tell us, though, about your actual journey? Because I know that you've had a journey. If I recall correctly from our conversation, you've been fully confined to a wheelchair since you were about 17? Yes, that's true.
0: And, you know, kind of my identity as Italian-American and my grandfather and all his brothers were in wheelchairs. So it's interesting. I I only know one other person that's Italian that has a disability and she's a woman, Nadina Lispina. and we had a really long conversation on time like that. It was groundbreaking to me. National Organization of Italian Women connected us in a way because I reached out because, you know, I'm not, I'm, I've always been a, a people person. I was like, hey, I read your book and this is so surreal to me because I didn't know anyone with disabilities in the Italian community really kind of speaking out besides myself and my family. So I felt a little isolated in a way because people sometimes I think also don't recognize the diversity in the Italian community. And I'm like, we're super diverse. We just often sometimes don't always highlight the diversity in our community. And I want to change that too as well. We're advocating because I think our culture, sometimes we, especially with the religious background, like, you know, sometimes it can be hard with the Catholicism aspect and things because you can have a strong faith as well. You know, a lot of us grew up in very strong Catholic backgrounds, and that can be hard to navigating this as someone that's Italian. And, you know, a lot of us still believe in the evil eye, and that can be hard. So I think it's been really interesting growing up with a grandfather that was also in a wheelchair. But when I came 17, um, as a girl, I have been in a wheelchair full time. Um, and I was not confident. I was not a self-advocate. I came a self-advocate because I had to. Suddenly, my life shifted. I did not know at the time I had a genetic neuromuscular disease, which is what I had. And that sounds really confusing. Oh, you have neuromuscular disease. What the heck is that? Basically, um, if every person has genes in their body, mine went wonky. I often explain it like being an x men I just don't know my power yet because I don't know what gene went wonky in the process. So kind of like an x men but what the heck is the power? I don't know.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like the power is the power of positivity and advocacy because you're doing something that is uncomfortable. And, you know, even, even how we talk about disability, right? You know, is it disabled? Is it differently abled? All these terminological changes that we're going through now in a society that's becoming more self-aware and more aware of how it treats people who are in, in different situations and, my wife and I were were on a walk in in Italy and I thought to myself, you know, there's no facility here for somebody who would like to access this, who's disabled. It's it's impossible. You're walking up these ancient steps that have been there since, you know, the Greek period. And if you want to get up, like we were in Capri and we went up to the top of the highest peak and you've got to get into this um, gondola, this uh, funicular, but it's just one little seat. So there's no way to take a wheelchair up there and, you know, these things are prohibitive. And especially in older countries like Italy, where there have not been opportunities to retrofit architecture and and infrastructure to the needs of those who are uh, disabled. It's hard sometimes, you know, you you don't really know how to handle it, even think about it and talk about it. So do you encounter that kind of need to, to make people aware of access and things like that? I mean, what's that like? What is the sort of approach to that? How do you handle things you might not have access to?
0: I think, I think it's really important what you said. It's because, like, you know, a lot of my family is still in Italy. And it's been really incredible in some ways because, um, believe it or not, social media has been really powerful because we can connect now in really great ways. But, like, visiting them, it's not really going to be possible because of access. And, yes, southern Italy doesn't have as, many, has as much funding or resources, um, unfortunately.
2: And you know what I wanted to ask
1: you, Don? Yeah, go You're going to find this interesting. I have deathly food allergies.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If I eat the wrong thing, I could die. And I'm going to tell you why I'm bringing this up. The south of Italy, I find that I get better treatment there than I do here. Because Italy is so food paranoid, right? So once you get across to them that you could die from eating the wrong thing. I had a, I had a restaurant in Rome. They took all my plates, all my dishes, all my cutlery. They created a big vat of boiling water and sterilized all my cutlery and all my plates. And they had me go into the kitchen to watch it, which was totally unnecessary. But it was the Italy of Fellini. And the head waitress, I guess she'd say the maid of she announces to everyone in the kitchen. This man is delicate, delicato. We must treat him like and, and she gave like this very Italian speech. I had to be treated with, you know, I was a very sensitive customer. And they come out with everything stuck. Now they didn't have to do that, but I, I went along with them because I knew they meant well and Italy's Italy. Have you been able to go to Italy?
0: No, I haven't. Yet? Not yet, no. But I'm, I'm i mean I'm a believer that the word impossible says impossible. So.
1: There's no yeah, you're gonna get there. Absolutely. Okay. You're gonna help pick tomatoes in cobalt. <laughs> you pick tomatoes, you gotta bring me back some. You gotta take care of me. You, you don't know, you can't can always, be stingy. You know,
0: we can always try together and I can direct you to pick the tomatoes because I am very pushy. Just because I get pushed around does not mean I cannot direct you.
1: Yeah, but th- you're going to get the better ones because you're related. They're not going to yeah. give me They're not going to yeah. give
3: me the same ones as you. I wouldn't mind seeing somebody direct Pat to do the labor, though. That would be that no, would be interesting. I'll- you I'll- would. I, I love know you gardening.
1: Would. I'll put the hat on. Listen, <laughs> the only reason I'm saying this, Dom, is you're related, and you're going to get a better pick than I am. Put the cards <laughs> on the table. <laughs>
2: But Pat, I want to go back to what you said about traveling in Southern Italy and Dom being unable to go at the present time. I'm planning a trip over in January to see my friends and my family, and I wanted my mother to come with me. And as both of you, and I know you know as well, Dom... You know that my mother is permanently disabled. She had an accident when I was 12 years old that left her permanently disabled. And um, I'm like, Mom, you have to come over with me. I want you to come over. And she's like, No, the last times that I was over there, my disability made it very hard for me to get around. And I think that just having this conversation about something like this especially during a disability advocacy month it's huge because I don't think people realize it and Dom what you're doing in Maryland is huge I mean that's a state appointment that you have so do you actually work with the governor of Maryland then to try to figure out like um I know here in Pennsylvania they call them the curb cuts where they take the curb sidewalks and make them so a wheelchair can ride over it if somebody's trying to cross the street is that Kind of like what you do. Like, what do you actually do in your role?
0: Oh, I hold two state appointments. I'm a commissioner on the Maryland Commission on Disabilities. Where I'm at is technically called the Eastern Shore of Maryland. People are like, "What the heck is Eastern Shore?" So this is a rural area where I'm at, and like, I'm originally not from a rural area. I'm from Philadelphia, so
2: I say "wooder,"
0: and they
1: like, "Oh, you're from Philly."
2: Yes, I'm originally. Oh,
1: <laughs> you never told us this. Well,
2: oh, a yeah, Pennsylvania not- connection, Pat. No wonder. <laughs> you know,
1: listen, I knew something was up because Stephanie was pushing this too hard. <laughs> yeah, you are. You, are. you originally from Scranton? What's the next question? No,
0: I'm not from. I'm not. From you know Scranton. she's
1: obsessed with Pennsylvania, right? You know. No, that. I'm not.
0: I'm a South Philly. <laughs> Stephanie.
1: Person. Oh, you're from. Sa- I love South Philly.
0: Um, my my fa- most of my family is from Brooklyn, but I'm from South Philly. Are oh, you
1: from Brooklyn? That's why we like. Know, I'm
0: from South Philly. Most of my family is from Brooklyn. We're we're the weird ones that went to South Philly. But no, I my most people don't even think I'm I because I'm yeah you know, I'm a proud Marylander. But you know when I say water, they're like
3: a phone. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great accent.
2: Yeah,
0: I really don't think I have a strong accent because I'm like Minnie Mouse.
3: <laughs> <laughs> You've got your own accent. But yeah, so tell us about what you do in Maryland.
0: Yeah, so I, I hold two state appointments, and I'm a commissioner on the Maryland Commission of Disabilities, and I'm the only one to serve from the Eastern Shore. And the Eastern Shore is a rural area of Maryland, and it's really exciting to to be the only person to represent this area, because the Eastern Shore, while it is rural, is still a huge part of Merlin. So imagine a really large chunk of Merliners that are disabled in a rural area, and they might not have a voice otherwise. So it serves as an advisory board to the Merlin Department of Disabilities. I'm also on the Merlin Assistive Technology Loan Program Board. I'm a board member. And you're like, what's assistive technology? Yeah, so an Apple Watch, for example, actually for people with disabilities is assistive technology because, for example, let's say you are visually impaired, for example. Well, the Apple Watch can help you with directions. It can help you speak Siri. It's assistive technology in day-to-day people's lives with disabilities. The assistive technology gets more advanced in that modified vehicles. This is what the MTAP program does. I serve on. So this is underwriting loans. So this is what I do on the MTAP program, help with loan assistance. It's great. It's it's one of the most fulfilling things is it's actual work that benefits more with disabilities. So the MTAP assistant loan program has been really great. And I was approved by the Senate nomination and governor um larry hogan who was our governor here so that's my two state appointments and i'm involved in so many committees that sometimes i'm like yeah i have a yeah i have a meeting today <laughs>
1: <laughs> tom i gotta ask you i have because my brain is working here i'm thinking is there any tour companies that take disabled people to italy
0: there was a, a, quite a few years ago um someone contacted me there was this program that was going out that wanted to do some kind of full videography work to Italy, I don't know whatever happened to it. I tried to follow up with them, but I'm not really quite sure. They were not trying to document the accessibility in Italy. I could probably get the information. That would be
1: great. What would we need? Are there tour companies that specialize in tourism for disabled people?
0: Um, there was a few, but it's a little complicated because disability is so broad spectrum. That's kind of what yeah,
1: I yeah, it's a broad spectrum. That would be great, though. We could run a tour. Dom, you could come on the tour.
0: Absolutely. And that's the thing. And that's why I try to make my platform much like Stephanie talked and I talked about because I try to make my platform a little different. Because sometimes when we talk about like um, disability led things, we kind of focus on one. And that's why I say just because I use a wheelchair it doesn't mean I only care about people that have motor disabilities like me. Disability can mean someone with an invisible disability that might need to sit down. It can mean our aging population. It can mean so many things. And that's why I think like having a, a tour that's a accessible to anyone depending on their needs would be so groundbreaking because you know our needs vary because some people just need to sit down at some point true because
1: i'm thinking to myself here italy is not good which italy's got stairs everywhere but they could cater a tour of italy that uses facilities that are handicap friendly yeah like restaurants without stairs hotels this is a great business for somebody who who has the infrastructure to go into this
3: you're absolutely right about that Like, you know, I think about when I go to Italy, right? Or, or when I go anywhere, we like, you know, we do the show greetings from Italian America. We go to little Italy's across the country and we're always looking for recommendations. And, you know, people ask me, Oh, I'm going to come to, I'm going to be in little Italy in Boston. Where should I eat? Or I'm going to the city in Italy, where should I eat or what hotel? And, you know, I keep like a, a document basically on my phone of recommendations in every city and I add to them as I go back and, uh, when people ask me, you know, I'm going to be here. I just send them the list, and you know that's sort of common, right? There's eight million blogs to tell you what the best restaurants are and this and that, but the idea of being active in your life with an eye open for something like accessibility is, unfortunately, I think something that those of us who don't struggle with a disability don't think about. But if you go through life looking through that lens, thinking now as somebody who's not aware or not always aware just the times that i spend in italy it's like you're almost like an advance guard looking for like you say pat restaurants that don't require steps or hotels that have easy access and elevators and things like this and, and uh, destinations that are accessible italians are very compassionate yeah, yeah. it's true the problem is
1: there's a culture that's medieval i don't know how to say this and, and say it in a, in a genteel way like you're crippled and you're going to sit there and you can't move and you can't leave. And it's almost like, I I mentioned this to somebody in Italy, they were kind of stunned. I told them how people with down syndrome in the United States, a lot of them have jobs. And then someone said to me like, like, what do the families need the money? Like they don't. And I was like, no, they give them the jobs so the kids can get out and engage. And it was such a foreign concept to them. Yeah. Because their idea was if you have someone with a handicap, you cater to them because they can't do anything. They just have to sit there and watch and I, I and this person just could not understand why these American parents were sending handicapped kids out to work as if it was almost like um, they were using them. I'm like, it has nothing to do with the money. I said, these kids are making minimum wage. They're doing it to get them engaged, get them out, you know, um, and give them access like everybody give them access. Else. And it was such a foreign co- and there's certain things Italy gets and there's certain things they don't.
2: But Pat, I could actually counter that story completely with an experience from my own family. So I don't think I've ever told any of you this. My great-grandmother had a really bad accident in Guardia when they were building the family homestead there. And unfortunately, her leg had to be amputated. And the story goes in the family that my great-grandfather rushed back from the United States when word got to him and um, he got her a donkey. And the townspeople in Guardia all... her. There was never this, I don't want to say a stigma, but that's the best word that I could come up with right now, against Nicoletta for having this disability because clearly she was down a lake and people in Guardia would help her get the donkey over to the fountains to get the laundry done or to get the water for things and make sure that the children were taken care of. And what we see in our family just with the discussions about this was that everybody in Guardia really was assistive to her with this. And so, I mean, you're talking the nineteen twenties. They left there in nineteen twenty-seven. And even just coming to the United States, my great grandfather made sure that she came over second class because if she went over steerage, she wasn't getting into the United States and the whole story of that, even in just the Italian neighborhood here was always we're a community and we're going to stick up for her and we're going to make sure that she's a part of this community and we'll do what we can.
1: Yeah. But I'll tell you why, where the disagreement is with that. And, mm. and she got that as an adult with kids.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I found in Italy that when children have disabilities, mm-hmm. it's different. It's almost, they have to be sheltered. And it's very much the Italian protectiveness. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that we have a different perspective on as Americans was like, I know people with some of them with developmental disabilities that have full time jobs. Right. But the reason they have the jobs is they're making next to nothing, but they make they have pride. They get on the bus. You know, they work the cash register in the store. They talk to people. I have found it's a very American concept. Mm -hmm. And I have found people in the South are like, no, you know, don't let them leave the house. Yeah. And I understand I grew up with that. I'm not criticizing that. But it's one of those moments when America is very America. Does that make sense?
2: That does. Ah, summer. The time to get out and enjoy a little aperitivo picnic. Why not celebrate your Italian-American pride, too, and enter for your chance to win a Mediaset Italia picnic pack to take with you? It's easy. Just snap a pic that says Italian-American to you, post it to Instagram, and tag it with the hashtag iHeartMediaSetItalia. Be sure to also follow at MediaSetItaliaUSA and you can win a picnic prize pack sent to you in the mail. New winners will be chosen every week. The picnic prize pack includes a picnic basket and blanket, a meat and cheese board, plates, utensil set, a pair of wine goblets, and a wine opener. Check out and follow at MediaSetItaliaUSA on Instagram to find out more. And after a long afternoon picnic, Return home and enjoy summer entertainment on Mediaset Italia. There are new episodes of Temptation Island, Avanti Un Altro, and Ciao Darwin. And drama series Mas Antonio premieres in July.
3: Tom, on that note, I'm thinking now as we talk about the idea of like, well, from now on when I'm in Italy or anywhere... Just having an open eye for these things and and keeping a list is helpful. It's advocacy, right? Because I can share with somebody like you who is an advocate out there with the blog and with a brand and with awareness uh, and, and a central point for people to congregate for information and for aid and advocacy. I can do my part by just being kind of aware and noting what works and what doesn't. Thinking through the idea that many of us don't have any context for a disability, what can somebody do to be an active advocate for the disabled community, particularly in a month like this where we're talking about advocacy and awareness? What can people do that they might not think of to be advocates and to be participatory?
0: I think one thing I always remind people is that disability affects everyone, even though we may not realize it. So disability can affect anyone at any age, just like aging, we all age. And it's like mobility devices seem really scary, wheelchairs and walkers. And it's sometimes why we're uncomfortable. But as we age, we get into these. It's like, um, I was on a call one time, we were talking about access needs. I said, you know, it's like glasses, glasses, you know, help us see. So that's sometimes how we can get used to wheelchairs, you know, glasses help me see better, just like, you know, they're helping canes or helping someone guide themselves when they're Walking, you know, as a, uh, that that's blind or low vision. So we just need to think of that in that context, you know. And the more we get more comfortable with these topics, the more we see the disabilities to help persons navigating. Um, and you know, sometimes we get confused. You know, what is the right terminology here? Is this the right context? And that's okay. We don't have to always, you know, think in deep. We just have to be more empathetic and kind. Because whenever I'm confused or how to do the right thing, kindness is really the best way to do it. Sometimes we overthink things to the point where we get really nervous, but kindness is really the best way to lead forward because when we're kind, we're the best version of ourselves. And I always say that the Sunday dinner table in an Italian's house, whether it's in Italy or an Italian American's house is the most loving place to be. And that's what inclusion means to me. It means having everyone at the table, whether, they need a trach or they need a wheelchair or a walker. And that's what, to me, Disability Pride Month signifies. It signifies that table on Sunday.
3: Wow. That's one of the most beautiful things I think we've had on this show, The the, the Sunday Italian table as the sort of model for empathy in a world that desperately needs it. You know, that's wonderful. I I admire your um, inner peace that's clearly coming out in these conversations and your ability to communicate that with people. So I, I can't thank you enough for your contribution to the community, to the country, obviously your community in Maryland and, uh, and this conversation here. Before we go, tell us a little bit about how those in our audience who want to find you can find you and how they can get active in their communities or within the Italian American community.
0: So you can find me just by going to the thegirlinthepinkwheelchair.com, Dominique Sessa. I don't think there is, but well, there's only one Dominique Sessa, but they're in France. I don't know him.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's a very nice person.
3: <laughs> I'm sure he is. <laughs>
0: um. Yeah, so I'm the only Dominique Sessa. I go by Dom. It's just a nickname. If you just research Dominique Sessa, um, Sessa.com will also redirect the Girl in the Pink Wheelchair. Of course, I'm going to steal the Girl in the Pink Wheelchair because if you see a Girl in the Pink Wheelchair with Frig curly hair of course it's me i'm gonna take that
3: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, we're gonna link everything and yes uh,
0: the you. girl the will get you to me and i'm happy to do any kind of advocacy and i think that in the italian american community we need more diversity that shows that italians are diverse we have a really strong inclusive community of people and advocates that do care and have a voice so i think that especially during this time that we do have advocates that care so
2: Dom, don't forget to tell them about the old imagery of Italian-Americans, oh, because gosh, that's how you and I, I met.
3: Oh, is- yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I'm really bad at promoting that. I'm really bad. Okay, yeah. I'm yeah, sorry.
3: this is your Italian passion project that Stephanie mm-hmm. is obsessed with. So-
0: yeah, yes. it's, really, it's really popular, too. It has, like, a really big following, and I constantly forget. I'm sorry, because I'm always being around doing other things.
3: Well, tell okay. us what it's called, and tell us about it, because I think the audience is going to love it, and it's a great project. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I also run the old imagery of Italian Americans. Um, But I'm not wheeling around and advocating for rights for those with disabilities. I'm really passionate about genealogy and the history of Italian Americans. So Old Imagery of Italian Americans, we have a Facebook group and I encourage everyone to share their old images and their family histories. And on Old Imagery of Italian Americans, I've kind of created this archive of histories and kind of the history that we often don't get to see a lot in the Italian American community. And it's just kind of started as a digital archive of the Italian American history. And it's just kind of grown. Uh, the Facebook group, I think, is almost 2,000 members. We have hundreds of images of histories. It's just, it's been phenomenal. Um, newspaper clippings, images, a lot has just been, it, it's been a huge influx
3: of just history. That's wonderful.
2: Dom has been really gracious, too, with anybody that I've sent over. Sometimes we get messages to the Italian-American podcast asking us, where can we find old images of Italian-Americans that we could reproduce, say, in our restaurant or, say, in places? She
1: should meet Ray Garini. Her and Ray should, should meet.
2: Yeah, Italian enclaves. Italian enclaves. They would make a wonderful team. you got to put them in contact, Steph. Sure. So Dom lends out these images to people. We've gotten several requests from podcast listeners who have said, where can I find some old images of italian Americans for my restaurant or for something that I'm doing, and I always hook these people up with Dom because I know that someplace in her archive she has what they are looking for, and she's always been so gracious to our listeners and to the general Italian American public just with supplying these images because, Dom, they're just free for anybody to look at, and if they're not something that someone has given to you specifically to post, all it is is just a matter of asking for permission for people to use these.
0: Yes, and I always cite them correctly. The citations are already done, so you can always repost them for your projects. A lot of them come from the Library of Congress, Um, and I've gotten really interested, too, from my own research, from doing the archives. I work with a lot of archives and parishes over in Italy, so I have some, too, that were from Italy directly, because they've gotten a little interested, too, the little villages, because, yeah, nothing like researching your ancestors gets you interested in Italian-American history.
3: (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And photos and things like that. I mean, it's such a treasure trove, you know? I I love going to my grandparents and going through old boxes of photos or going through other families and people sometimes don't even know what they have. Um, Pat and I are on a text message chain with like 25 Italian guys and we go to dinner sometimes and
1: one wackier than the other.
3: (laughs) Yes. One wackier than the other. They all know who they are. And uh, they're always sharing things. And I think somebody shared a photo that they found of their like great, great, great grandparents from like the, you know, 1870s or eighties or something like that. And, it's a treasure. It's a treasure to have that and it connects you to somebody and it makes you feel a part of some long line of genealogy and of of culture and family. And I just think it's really wonderful. So I highly recommend everybody. Again, we're going to link this uh, photo project that Dom has created also in the show notes. So if you want to go and take a look and join the group and uh, just be active and, you know, sharing and exchanging, you never know what you're providing to somebody and you never know who's in your photos or what whose whose home is in the background or whose community and what you're giving them. So it's a wonderful uh project that you've created, Dom, and uh, a great service to the Italian American community.
1: I I I'm gonna get yelled at Dom because like one minute left and I'm not allowed to say what I'm allowed. I see it coming. I'm gonna get in trouble. You're gonna get
0: in trouble? And they're gonna <laughs> yell at they yell
1: at me, Dom. They yell at me. I can they see you're in
0: the doghouse a lot. I can tell I'm in the doghouse <laughs> they chain me
1: they chain me up and they,
0: they mean, give they give you a at least when you're in there. <laughs> Yes,
1: please, please that would
0: them. be the best Italian doghouse.
1: Imagine what do Italian people put in their dogs' doghouse?
0: Cavalcante.
3: Cool. <laughs> pretty sure about it. He's pretty confident. Um, we know we
1: know a wacky guy. He's a total nutjob, but he has five thousand historical Italian feast photos. And he yeah, will not share true. them with anybody. We have begged him.
3: Maybe if we send Dom. Bye. She seems like, Dom, she we seems might, like the. You can't,
1: you, we're going to send you in as a spy. He has 5,000 historic photos. And he will not.
0: You know what? There is one story, which is he was not Italian. But they told me, they said, this is the meanest man. They said, he does not like no one. This is for something around here. And they said, they said, we're so worried. So they put me with him. And he was so nice to me. He said, I like no one, but I love you. And I was like, <laughs> this guy's not mean." they said. It's just you.
1: Dom, um, if you could crack him, <laughs> Dom. He has 5,836 historic black and white Italian pictures from Feast and Processions.
2: I went to that Italian feast guy and I couldn't get anywhere with him. Dom is the only other person on the planet that I know of I that's even are. nicer than me and even sweeter than me with people. So if I can't do it, I know she'll be I'm able to I'm going to give you there.
1: Holy Water in case you have to exercise. Yeah. You have to shoot him with a super yeah. soaker.
2: Oh, come on, no. There's no one you ever use Holy Water on. You just have to meet them where
0: they are and give mm-hmm. them a little mm-hmm.
1: great. Well, after you After you and him chit-chat, then we're going to have a... Then
0: we're going to see. I don't know if it's the wheels or the voice. Potentially both. <laughs>
3: Dom, I definitely think it's your charming personality, your obvious and infectious positivity. And uh, yeah, maybe that wonderful voice of yours. So I I really, I think everybody out there will be as taken with you as we are. And uh, I hope all of our audience will hook up with you and share what you're doing and learn more about the girl in the pink wheelchair, because you're a wonderful and charming and positive young lady. And uh, we're proud to have you in the Italian American community. So thank you for coming on. And hopefully at some point you come back and we can have a further conversation about this. Oh, thank you. We got a wheelchair race. I'll do my best. What do they get if they win? They get the cherry tomatoes.
1: They get the cherry. We got. We got to work on that too. We got to get those cherry tomatoes. What's the seafood, Dandy? You're on the eastern coast of Maryland. The shellfish must be fantastic. The clams. Yeah, we're the cop capital. You eat them a lot. I'd be eating them all day long.
3: (laughs) No, no,
0: I don't eat anything.
3: You're not a big eater. You don't like fish.
0: Well, no, I got, I got, I, I can't eat actually because of my neuromuscular disorder. I do a lot of sniffing. <laughs> <laughs> what, what can you eat? Nothing real. I can eat coffee and tea because wow. I'm gonna get a feeding tube because the neuromuscular disorder. He's a, it's a jerk. It's real. I don't recommend it. I give it a zero out of a ten.
1: <laughs> God You're bless a trooper,
0: you. Dom. I'm You're trooper. wonderful. No, okay, it's fine. I give it a zero out of a ten. But if I could eat, I would definitely, I would definitely eat some macaroni and crabs. Or cats or well, Cots But
3: you can drink tea.
0: I can drink tea. I you can gotta drink start coffee. drinking
1: Irish tea. <laughs> <laughs> sounds,
3: sounds perfect. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Dom. I yeah. really appreciate it. And uh thank you so
0: much.
1: Oh, thank, thank
3: you. Me. This has been yeah. great. So hopefully everybody out there will be thinking with uh, a little bit of a different lens about disability awareness advocacy in this important month of July and to hear it straight from the mouth of the horse from an Italian American like us who's passionate about our community. And about advocacy for this important topic, uh, I think is a wonderful resource. So, hope everybody enjoyed this. We're always here for comments and connectivity if you want to reach out to us at the Italian American Podcast. And, like I say, I really hope you get in touch with and connect with Dom Sesa, the girl in the pink wheelchair. So, from all of us at the Italian American Podcast, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. If you want your life to be great,
1: see that you're born an Italiano, and your life will be great. See that you're born an Italiano, and your life will be